This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, is the very absolutely fantastic Jojo. Hello, Jojo, I say to you. Hello, Jojo. Hello, Graham. How are you doing today? Uh, Jojo, we're doing aight. Uh, in the measures that we can, we are doing okay. We're going to start right off the bat by saying this has been an absolute fucking shit week. Yes. And I don't know that there is a lot, there are a lot of people in the US laughing their heads off of anything except for the very cruel and absolutely fucked up Christian right and six assholes in the Supreme Court uh, of the United States. Other than that, you know, yeah, peachy, innit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> peachy. Absolutely peachy. peachy. And like I said, this this show is about reviewing movies, TV series, and tell you what we watched and why we liked it and, and things of that nature. We have already done a bonus episode about when when the leak of the Supreme Court decision came out. We we did an episode and we told you what we thought. So so this isn't new. And we're not beating on the same horse or, or anything like that. No. But we sort of knew this was going to happen. We knew. But we also thought that there was a chance that with the leak, something could have changed. But it didn't. It didn't because Supreme Court people are unelected officials and they have a lifetime appointment. And they don't have to do anything based on what the polls say, but whatever restricted and very personal interpretations they have of the law and of the Constitution. And so we see six people who, during their confirmation time, literally lied to Congress by saying, I have no agenda and I will respect the precedent of Roe v. Wade. And, uh, you know, although that is not an answer, I don't know why Congress has ever accepted that as an answer. Yeah. Because that's literally the most non-answer possible. It's like, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Okay. That doesn't mean you don't want to change it. <laughs> right. You, you're just telling me, well, that's the law. Right. Right. Okay. Which that's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> you ought to know that since you're a judge. I'm, I'm happy you know that's the law. So good for you. You passed one hurdle. Yay. But let's let's talk about you know the actual what you're actually going to do or not do about it. So yeah, it's uh, it would be delightful to get all those folks up for perjury since that was supposed to be a uh, an answer. It's a non-answer, but if that's what they're claiming was their answer, then uh, they should be up for perjury. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, they are non-elected, but they are put in place definitely by people who have been elected by the current system that is in place in the United States. So not popular election, but the election of, of certain parties. So, of course, they, even though they're not supposed to, they are always going to have a political slant and a political agenda 
So again, not put in place by election, as you said, Graham, but they are put in place by those who have been elected. So uh, it's not a not a contest in the sense of a popularity contest, but in the sense of, you know, who are you, whose party are you going to do the service of to get you in the position? So and then, of course, then they get to spread their personal beliefs through the position that they've been given. Right, right. Which is not what that is not what the entire system is about should be about at all uh, nope. you know I'm, I, you know the old the commercial that was on a few years ago that's not how this works that's not how any of this works it was about facebook right. but i mean honestly it's true that's, that's that's not how any of this is supposed to work but yeah. you know when you get to late stage capitalism this is what happens Absolutely. and so the first time in history our children are going to have less rights than we came into the world with. So, and if anybody thinks that this is just about abortion, you're very naive or very stupid. If any of you think that this is about being pro-life or pro-choice, again, you are very naive or very stupid. Anytime a freedom is taken away, this is the first in a very long line of carefully placed dominoes. And you're going to start seeing things going away very, maybe quickly, maybe slowly, but things are going to start happening that do not just, just apply to women and women's rights. And uh, again, the people who believe that just this is just about the babies are wrong. And you're wrong, and you're completely wrong, and you don't know anything about anything, and I wish you'd picked up a look book once in your goddamn fucking life. Do you know what? I, I would exhort people to take a look at the reasoning for this. The decision itself, if you, if you take a read into it, the basis for the decision is basically saying, well, the Constitution, which was written 200, what, 250 over, plus years yeah, ago. Over 250 years ago. Did not make a special mention for 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 abortion <laughs> okay so if the constitution does not say it then fuck it and in that same context so that's alito's argument within that same context clarence thomas actually alludes to and that means that we should reconsider gay marriage this that and that so to a certain extent it's not long before the Supreme Court says, well, the Constitution didn't say that black people could vote. Yep. I mean, it's been amended, but, but what's that... an amendment if the founding fathers didn't think about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, women really, really, really shouldn't be allowed to vote either. And uh, that whole oh, freedom of religion thing, that, that just applies to Christianity because yeah. they were Christians. So... That, yeah, that's that's yeah. only Christian, and that's only our form of Christianity, by the way. Whatever we've decided is state-sanctioned at this point. So whoever yeah. is throwing enough money in the pot, and whoever is, uh, you know, paying enough, that's going to be the religion that gets to be the freedom of religion. So, folks, no, if you think that this only affects the babies, yeah, you're you're stupid. You're so stupid, yeah. and I am terrified for the children. And for the kids that are coming up, because either there's going to have to be out and out war between the classes, the races, and the sexes, 
or we're going down a very dystopian path of not just women losing their rights, but so many people losing their rights to so many things. And I can't even express how disgusted, disheartened, and scared I am, and also at the same time not surprised. I would actually pose this question to Americans right now. What would you say if anyone would ask you, is there Sharia law in your country? What would be your answer? Because I remember a time when Barack Obama was president, <laughs> the Republican legislatures all over the country made it a point to create legislation in which they denounced Sharia law and they would never accept that Sharia law be be imposed in this country. And the only reason they were doing it, it was because at the time, it was very convenient because this implied that Barack Obama, who has always said that he was a Christian, but that would imply that Barack Obama was a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And as a Muslim, his purpose was to impose Sharia law in this country. Weird Muslim that went to some Ebenezer church and shit for his, most of his adult life in Chicago, but whatever, right? <laughs> and so that was the thing, Sharia law, Sharia law. The problem is like most of these motherfuckers don't understand what Sharia law is, <laughs> which is law imposed based on a religion. And Sharia in that respect is of course, referring to Arabic countries with laws that are imposed by Islam. But our laws are based on biblical tenets too. Mm -hmm. So what the fuck are we? Mm -hmm. What do we have here? The notion that these motherfuckers to yesterday, right? So we record the show on Saturday. So on Friday, completely abolished a ruling that gave women reproductive right, the agency to the reproductive rights. And that was a law that was precedent for 50 plus years, 51 year by now, isn't it? Yeah. So you tell me if that's not based on religion, it's not based on law. It's not based on nothing else but religion. So yes, Sharia law, it does exist in the United States. And we're living in it now. Yep. In pure hatred of women. This yes. country hates women more than it hates anyone else, I think. And I know that that's going to make a lot of people probably disagree with me. But if you look at things that have happened over the years and things that have not happened over the years, this country has a seated misogyny that goes so deep, I don't even think that we as women who experience it every day can comprehend it or understand how much we are hated by people. More so, of course, if you are of color, if you are poor, if you are anything other than what fits the conformity of what a quote-unquote perfect Christian woman is supposed to look like or act like, but even then you are completely hated. You are despised in this country. You are not a human. You are not equal. And the idea that you even think that you are, that you even think 
that you are is so repulsive and so terrifying that the very first law of freedom that gets struck down has to involve women and women's rights. Absolutely. That's the first law that has to go, freedom. Yes. And because freedom for women, because, you know, we're such a subset of, of otherness and of hatedness that, of course, it's going to be easy to take this away from us because we don't even really exist as people. So remove this freedom, and then that paves the way for us to start taking the freedom from other people. From well, those we can, might consider people a little bit tiny, sort of, right. a little bit. But yeah, yeah. The, the other ones. The other ones. You know, we'll start taking yeah. from the other ones. From the other ones, yeah. Yeah. So. But if you if you think about it, like top five most hated people in the United States are women. Yeah. And you can start with Hillary Clinton, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. Um, give me two more. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I mean, yeah. really, for instance, the hatred toward Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is just insane. Yeah. You know, during COVID, there were a bunch of motherfuckers planning, actually plotting to kill the Michigan governor. She's a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, it's always, it's always the most hatred is for women. That is that that's this country, you know. To me, that was fully demonstrated in the presidential elections, because for <laughs> Donald Trump to get elected as president over a Hillary Clinton, the entire reason is hatred of women. That's that's honestly the only reason that you can give. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean. I mean, I know there's other reasons. I'm be, I'm I'm simplifying it, but honestly, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the main reason. Like that's the main. Like, I he, I heard people trying to rationalize why they wouldn't vote for Hillary, mm-hmm. and they made up reasons just so that they wouldn't say because she's a woman. Yeah, and you yeah. were like, you know, that is a stupid. Uh, I remember somebody saying, but it's just something about her. And I'm like, oh. It's because she's boobs, a woman. Boobs, vagina? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's not about that. It's just, it's just, I just don't quite trust her. And right. You, you trust the orange <laughs> che- che- licked Cheeto. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, okay. But, so, no. It's, it's, it's ridiculous and, and stupid. That's all. Right, so for, this has been an entire rant, and we have <laughs> not even yet started the show, what we are set out to talk about. By the way, when we decided to talk about, to discuss this show, which is a documentary on HBO Max called The Janes, when did we decided to do this, we actually didn't even know that the decision of the Supreme Court about Roe versus Wade was going to be rendered on the the week before so so this was this is very apropos but it wasn't something that we decided that we a decision that we based in fact jocelyn you suggested this mm-hmm. even though it had been a few weeks since it, it premiered mm-hmm. and we knew about it but we weren't even planning on talking about it until you mentioned you know what i know it's been a few weeks let's do it yep. so 
it's not like you knew anything, is it, Judge? No. Maybe you maybe you, you've got some sources maybe, that I Maybe I've got women's intuition. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was last week and I, I said, Graham, I want to do the Janes. That was basically basically yeah, I, the discussion. I said, I know it's been a few weeks it's been out, but I want to do the Janes. Yeah. And uh I, I think that you are are glad we did based on the text messages I got from you uh over the oh. week about this documentary. Yes, yes, I am absolutely glad that we did. And so we're not going to do what did you watch last week, this week, because there's far too much to talk about, and JoJo has a thing. Uh, <laughs> so with that said, JoJo, if you would, please, uh, give us an entry, an entry into the world of uh, the Janes on HBO Max. So The Janes is a documentary film on HBO Max, and this is about a network of essentially underground abortionists who were helping women in the late 60s to the early 70s before Roe versus Wade was handed down. They were a group of women who were dedicated to the cause of providing safe, affordable, illegal abortions to anyone who wanted one. And that was it. They weren't there to ask questions. They weren't there to judge. They weren't there to make a huge profit off of anybody. They weren't there especially to hurt anyone. This was something that a group of women saw this need and amazingly somehow all came together and made this fantastic, brilliant network that worked for many, many years saving women's lives uh, in the town, uh, the city of Chicago. And this is what this documentary is about. It's interviews with them and interviews with uh, police force at the time and how, how it all was, was and is going to be. Yep, that's pretty much a look into the past, which basically gives us an idea of what the future holds. And it's just an amazing thing, Jojo. But let's talk about this documentary film because I think the way everything is set up is somewhat masterful. And the reason I say that is because the first thing that happens, the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of this documentary is as you are being introduced to the Janes, you are also being introduced to their own personal history with abortion and I think the setup here again is masterful because you must have a personal history with a cause to understand what a cause is about and why you should take that cause sometimes it's just pure altruism and that's fine that's absolutely fine but when you have a personal history, right, when the young people in the civil rights movement decided to join the civil rights movement, it was because of the sit-ins, right? I want to be served at a restaurant or a cafeteria, and these people are telling me that I can't. <laughs> That's it. I want to sit wherever I feel like, wherever there is a seat available for me on a bus, and these people are telling me that I have to go to the back. I want to go into a theater and sit wherever I please 
these people are telling me I have to sit all the way up there where all the black, only black and minority people sit. And this is, this is the personal experience with the cause. Whether people who joined the civil rights movement because they felt like it was the right thing to do and they needed to show solidarity with the fellow men, yes. And we love these people for it. But that, that the majority of people who participated and took their time and effort and blood, sweat and tears for these causes is because they felt like it. They felt they had an encounter with it. And this is how the Jains start. The Jains will tell you the very absolutely horrible story of those women and their experience with abortion. So what's your thought, Judge? I, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a very masterful way of starting the story because it introduces you to the women in the Janes and you understand that they are human beings. You understand that they are women just like everyone else and uh, everyone else who's a woman, of course. And uh, some of them had personal horrible experiences with having backstreet abortions. Some of them had some terrible experiences with friends or acquaintances that they saw get the backstreet abortions and what happened to them. And it seemed to boil down to two or three of them saying, no more, we're not going to do this anymore. In Chicago, the mob, which I thought was interesting, the mob was the who you went to if you wanted an abortion if you needed an abortion, uh, you went to for an abortion. How's that? That's a better way to put that. The mob's who you went to for an abortion. And they basically treated you like cattle. So, yeah. you know, it was how much you could afford was how well you were treated. And, you know, you got your, your choice of a three-tier package abortion. And whatever, you know, if you could afford the, the top of the line, you got treated a little better. Maybe you got an actual doctor or something. I don't know. But so the mob was in charge of that. There was women who had experienced that or had experienced it at the hands of other people who 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 didn't care, who who required sexual favors in return for the service or or other things in return for the service, blackmail, money, whatever. And um, so this group of women in Chicago said, we're not taking this anymore and we're going to do it the way it should be done. Uh, if it were legal, we're going to help people have this service. And even though it was illegal, even though they faced hundreds of years in prison, they did it anyway. And they did it intelligently and safely and carefully. And they fucking cared about the women they give a shit. That's, they give a shit. Uh, yes, yes. That and, and and I think this is where they made an entire world of difference. And this is where what made them, well, it's it's a heroic thing to do to defy any unjust law, is is heroic because some people just take the law by what it is because it's the law. Yeah. But but when you defy a, a law and you make a case as to why this law is unjust, right? Because, yeah, I mean, one of the tricks of authoritarianism is to make any whim 
to turn it into a law, to turn it into a rule. Because then, if you break the rule, you become a criminal, and so people will tend to have less sympathy for you. But the fact of the matter is, we are here as people to discern and determine when a law is unjust and to make a case for ourselves. For ourselves. And the Jains were not only defying the law, but they were trying to show how isolated the cause of women was in a world that was fighting all kinds of causes. All kinds of causes. Because they start by talking about how even the anti-war movement saw women as, as other. Yes. yes. And these were like very intelligent, forward-minded people. But yeah. still, a woman was something else. A woman did and not have a place. she should be making me a sandwich. Yeah. The yeah. black lady talks about how she admired and understood and loved the ideology of the Black Panther Party but disagreed vehemently with the fact that the Black Panther Party established that women was there, were there only to serve them, yes, serve the men. yes. And so the cause that these women were taking, were undertaking, I should say, is a cause that no one else, even... Yeah. Yeah, that's completely right. There there are interviews with, with people who at the time were like, you know, why that's a woman's issue. Why would why would we even bother with that? That's that's you know, that's not important. That's completely unimportant to anything else that, that we have to, to talk about. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with war. That hasn't doesn't have anything to do with racial injustice. It's a woman's issue. Get the fuck out of my face, essentially, was and is the the prevailing attitudes. And I think part of that is why the Janes, I think that is partially, only partially, why the Janes were able to be so successful because the men were able to, and, and women too, were able to say, it's just a woman thing. It's just a bunch of yeah. women doing a woman yes. thing. So yes. I'm, that's not even worth our time. You know, there's the interview from the cop in Homicide who was like, it's, that's basically, I think it's a, a paraphrased quote from him was that's, that's women thing. You know, we deal with guys who are shot in men who are yeah. shot in the head and, murders. and people at murders and stab. We don't, that's, <laughs> we don't deal with women things, women things. Right. It's a woman yeah. problem. I think that was also, right. that's a woman problem. So I, I think that that is how they were able partially able, I think that's partially how they were able to do and provide the service for as long as they did. And the other, of course, reason is because they were fucking brilliant. <laughs> they oh, were yes. incredibly intelligent. They were smart. They were wise. They were caring. They were all of the things that someone should be. And this, this is why. So the, the, the magnificence and the brilliance of the network that these women had is fantastic and mind-boggling and brilliant, and it's all completely done by women for women. And yes, there are allies that are mentioned. There are male allies that are mentioned. There has to be some allies because without some sort of a, I hate to say it in terms of this, but I don't quite know 
I don't have the intelligence to, to say it another way, but you know, there has to be a mole, if you will, in the other organization to, to be able to bring right. it down. So you do have to have male allies right. or, or, or other allies um, to, to bring a plan completely to fruition, fruition. And of course there were, and thank goodness there were, but um, basically this comes down to women helping women for the sole reason that we need to help each other and we need to stop dying. Yes, yes. I was just going to say the hospital... The fact that the hospitals had an abortion septic unit, a whole floor, just for women who were dying from backstreet abortions or had infections from backstreet abortions before Roe v. Wade came down, that's an entire floor, an entire part of a hospital that is dedicated just to helping women after they've had a service performed at the hands of someone who didn't know what they were doing or an infection when there, there could have been a prescription prescribed that they couldn't because it's illegal. You know, that, that, <laughs> I don't understand the disconnect, but anyway, your thought, Graham, I'm sorry. No, no, seriously, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's the, 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 the proverbial, no crime has been committed until you're dead. Uh, you know, like, yeah, but my husband threatened me and shit. Yeah, but did he do anything? Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he's going to kidnap. Yeah, but he hasn't done anything. Yeah. I think my daughter ran away and, yeah, but we need 48 hours and before that we can't do anything. You know, it, it's this kind of thing. So, so you had a ward that was there to deal with the horrible shit that happened after a woman went and got a backstreet abortion, but not to actually provide safe abortion. If that is not <laughs> totally counterproductive to the narrative, you tell me. Uh, and that's just the women who sought help. Who knows how many women died of at course. home or in a hotel room or somewhere else. And, you know, the family doctor, whoever just wrote it off as hemorrhaging or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, 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 that is just for the women who sought help. You know, like, okay, fuck it. I'm not going to die. Even if I go to prison, I'm not going to die. Yeah. You know, but yeah. there was like, I mean, there's a, there's a story there too of, you know, the black girl that went and yeah, she was like, no hospital. And she just left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Janes are interesting, in a, in a lot of ways, in, in far too many ways. But one of the things that I feel like they do well, those women, is they are not naive into thinking that well, we, are, we were only a bunch of powerless women. They, even with what they did, even within the powerlessness that they were feeling, they were able to acknowledge the white privilege. Yes. And understand yes. that even by getting away with it for so long, even though they knew that they were going to get caught, they were going to get, so an example was going to be made out of them, they still understood that if there were black or minority women, it would have been worse for them. Oh, they, yes. they, they were able to understand and acknowledge, we, we did these things, and we were only able to do them to the extent that we did. With the, I mean, for instance, they acknowledged from the very beginning that they were being followed, mm -hmm. that they were being looked at, Yeah. right? Yeah. So 
So clearly, someone knew there was some sort of illegal activity that they were carrying out. Yes. But no one bothered to look any further into it. One, maybe it was because, oh, they're doing shit that only women do, so who cares? There's that, right? They mm-hmm. the, dismissed the whole idea because I want to do real police work, so I'm not going to be following shit women do. That's not police work. But at the same time, if you look into the background, white, middle-class women, some married to doctors, lawyers, or whatever, so how much criminal shit could they possibly be doing? So let's not just delve into that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the one of the women, you know, when they did get arrested, you know, she was picked as the one to... To make bail. The first one where they... Right. She was the first one to make bail. And they were like, we're going to choose you because, you know, you're white, you're married to an attorney, you have a baby at home that you're breastfeeding, you have a college education, you know, and there was all these things that listed and she, you know... I loved that lady because she was very much like, yeah, I I knew what all of that meant, but I, and I was willing to have all of that played because I knew that that was going to help everyone else. Yeah. But I also recognized how disgusting that is. Absolutely. But at the same time, if that's what's going to get my friends bail, then yeah, let's fucking do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's create the precedent because the precedent needs to be created. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. show these people that these women can be bailed out. Yeah. Even if I have to be the worst example. Yeah. And and, and for me, that was like, uh, there's something endearing about these women in many ways because, first of all, like when they were young, they were all fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Some of them have, they were. have aged really gracefully, too, yes, by yes, the way. they really yeah. have. And the second thing is they they had a level of education and wi- wisdom that yeah. is just... It fascinates yeah. me about the 60s generation of young people, to yeah. be honest with you. I, I think that, you know, there is a lot of, you know, some of them were... <sighs> The most educated women, formally educated women, uh, possibly in in some of their households, depending on on things. And of course, you know, white privilege and and the privilege of being upper middle class. But the difference with that is they they made this network and it was for everyone, right? That, that was that was the point of it. Yes. We're going to do this for everyone. Everyone who has this, pay as much as you can because you're going to pave the way for someone who can't pay anything. Yes. And it worked out. And when New York decriminalized abortion and then the rich middle class women started flying to New York to have abortions... Uh, you know, it, it, they they were true to their word. They didn't, that wasn't just, you know, smoke and mirrors for them. Because at that point, they could have said, oh, okay, the white girls are taken up care of and closed up shop. Yeah, and yeah. they absolutely did not do that. You know, they adjust, they addressed in this documentary the fact that uh, one lady put it <laughs> kind of funny. I thought she said the complexion of the women that were seeking care changed. Yes. And, and for a yes. lot of them, that was eye-opening into how naive they had truly been. Yes. 
and that they, you know, we really thought we were doing something fantastic with what we were doing. And they were. But when when New York happened and, and their clientele changed, then they realized what was truly going on in the country. I think it was hugely eye-opening for them all, more so than it had been before. And they realized this has a much greater and further reach than we ever realized. The extent of this and what we're doing has so much uh, impact. And I, I, don't, I just think that they don't even maybe today understand how how important what they did was yes yes you you're absolutely right in this is this is the proof that i mean it has always been the truth in the sense that whenever there is a law that impacts the poorest and we all think like yeah this is going to be bad for everybody it never has the same effect on the riches of the riches no this is why like and I know this doesn't come to collation, but this is one of the reasons why whenever there is a conflict or an issue with, with a poorer country, you know, and I, and I feel like the United Nations in America, they get together like, yo, let's put sanctions. Let us embargo this country. You know, I, I, I lived, you know, grew up in a country with, with, with an embargo at least for four years. And I remember that the riches in Haiti never felt what the embargo felt like. No. You know? No. They never felt it. You no. know, they could always fly or drive to Dominican Republic and get all the shit that they wanted, they needed, even if it was contraband, and take it back to Haiti and live and eat and, and drink whatever they wanted. Yeah. But the poorest of the poorest couldn't find shit. Yeah. And yeah. that's what that's that's what now that Roe v. Wade has been expelled, undone, the lovers, the daughters, the wives of even the politicians and the pastors and the the ministers of the Christian rights that pushed for this shit to happen, when they get that pregnancy they didn't want, they will always have a way to get an abortion. Absolutely. Believe it. Absolutely. Believe it. Believe and, it. and let's say, let's just say that they decide that they're not going to do an abortion and they're going to carry this child to term. They are absolutely going to have the money and the networking so that they're not selling their bodies to make sure that the baby has food or, or, or formula or, or anything like that, you know, that it's, it's never going to be any hardship for them whatsoever, ever, whatsoever. Then the most, like, you know, like, like you said, is going to be a, a pause in care. You know, the rich might not get to have caviar on Thursday. It might have to wait till Friday just because, you know, your, your black market seller might've gotten caught at the border and you've got to use a different right. one. That's right. the most that's going to fucking happen, but you're still going to get your caviar. Yes. A little bit of inconvenience. Yes. For you, it might be the end of the fucking world, but it's not. Right. So get over it, asshole. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So as you said, the poor and the disadvantaged and the hated are the ones that are going to be the ones that pay the price for the decision made by the people in power who will never, ever, 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 ever have the repercussions of it. Ever. Yeah. And their children won't. And their children's children won't. 
They will never, ever have it. And we would love to think that they would, but that's not how it fucking works. It yeah, doesn't work yeah, that way. Yeah, it doesn't work equality, that way. Equality is just, uh, equality is uh, an aspiration. At this point, it's a fantasy. It's, it's an absolute fantasy. At Let's talk point, about the religious aspect of this. Because yes. as yes. you know me and religion, you know, I went from a Catholic seminarian to an absolute fucking atheist. But I'm a different kind of atheist because I know my thing and I can navigate the world of religion in a way that it's not a question of like, you were born in it or whatever, but rather you went through the studies, you went through the motions and you know what the bullshit you can, you can, I'm able to separate the bullshit from the less bullshit. And there's a moment in the Jane's documentary where they actually are talking about the church's position, specifically the Catholic church, because Chicago is a very, as a matter of fact, it is said that Chicago has the biggest archdiocese in the world outside of Europe. So, and if you judge by the population of Chicago, exactly, you're right. You have Polish, you have Italians, you have Irish. So that in itself makes for a huge Catholic population. And the Catholic Church has always had a very radical position on reproductive rights and abortion in particular. So if the Catholic Church, some part of the Catholic Church doesn't even believe in contraception, but they will, they might be iffy about it, but they'll, they'll just like shrug it under the rug. But what is a no-no for the Catholic Church is abortion. And there is a moment where, I don't remember the name of Cardinal, of the Cardinal at the time, of O'Doyle or O'Boyle, it's always an Irish motherfucker. <laughs> he is making this grandiose statement mm-hmm. about... If a father cannot murder his child after the child is born, a woman should not be allowed to murder the child before the child is is born. That is a very oversimplified look at a fetish, (laughs) but whatever. You know, these motherfuckers, they know a lot about their Bible, but not a lot about science. There's that. And out comes this lady, who, by the way, was a founding member of the clergy network for uh, troubled pregnancy, which I felt like if I was alive at the time, I would have been right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My, my thing, even as a Catholic seminarian, was to give the middle finger to, to the church's authority. And the seminary that I went to is... I'm not going to say the order that I was in, um, but they were very much against the liberation theology because the liberation theology in the Catholic Church is the leftist current of the church, right? And, And there was a time that the current pope was sort of like a liberation theology kind of guy. He's drifted, of course, to the right, enough for him to get elected pope, <laughs> but there was a time that that's, that was his current. So 
if I were alive at the time, I would be part of the clergy, clergy network, counseling network. But this lady, her name is Reverend Dr. Donna Shaper, makes the most brilliant theological argument against the church's position. And I had to stop, write it down, and I couldn't even fucking wait until today. So I texted that to you. She says, to exclude us women from ethical agency excludes us from humanity and it turns us into powerless sinners against our own selves. And I was like, bam, mind blown, mind blown, because the church's position is we are here to tell you that your body doesn't belong to you. And if you should do, act upon your body as it belongs to you, then your sin is great enough that it cannot be forgiven. And it's not probably even about the fact that you have had an abortion. It's because you actually decided to take authority over a body that does not belong to you because you are a thing that belongs to the husband, that belongs to a man. And that sin is not only against God, but it is against the men that govern your body. That's what the church is saying. That's the church's position. And this lady is saying, fuck you, because if you do that, then you are an arrogant bastard who doesn't even understand what ethical agency means in the church. And ethical agency is not even given by the church, but rather by the Bible itself. That ethical agency is given, if you want to think about it this way, from the beginning of times, if you believe in Genesis. That ethical agency is given to, by God to Adam and Eve when he says, man, this whole thing is yours, right? And as a matter of fact, there's something you shouldn't do, but you're free. That's ethical agency. This is something that will get you in trouble. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about before Ten Commandments because mm -hmm. that's where the bullshit starts. I'm talking about what <laughs> the conception that Mo Moses, who wrote Genesis, because Genesis is bullshit. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> right, the first five books of the church, of, of of the Bible are written by Moses. Moses made that shit up. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, this is before. The brilliant idea of the Ten Commandments. And this is where the, the ethics of theology comes about. In the sense that God, if he does exist, respects that independence of thought and action. And he can only tell you about the consequences. After that, he becomes an asshole and tells you, no, 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 no. You have to do what I say. Otherwise, you're going, <laughs> you're going to hell. But... Before that, he was a children, and all he did was tell you, if you do this shit, this is what will happen to you. But clearly, you should do whatever you want. Yeah. That is the ethical agency that this, this woman, Donna Shaper, is talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, it, it, it converts, it turns us into powerless sinners against our own selves because the sin is against your own self. But you are not powerless. The, the, the sin is not against anybody. It is not. Yeah. It's, it's against you. 
But the power to commit that sin is also within you. I, I don't know if I'm making myself clear. You are. You're making. You're making. To me, you're making perfect sense. That 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 God said, "Here, here is the world. Fill it up, and it's yours. Do whatever you want with it. You know, it's essentially your playground. But here's this one thing I don't want you to do." And He didn't say that I don't want Adam to do or I don't want Eve to do. Do it was both of them, right? You know, yeah, it wasn't split yeah. up by sexes. It was don't <laughs> don't do the thing, and. If you do, as long as you don't do the thing, if you if you do the thing, here's what's going to happen. Here's here's your consequences of your actions, and that's basically what it is. It's not between man or woman, or it's 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 humanity and and God. And it was you have the uh, you know it's it's not predestined for you to sin, or it's not I'm I'm you have your own. Freedom of choice. You have your own. Um, what in the hell is that Free word? Free will. Free will. Yeah. You have, and and as you are saying, and as she is saying, once you remove that, then you, if if as the church, who is supposed to be God's voice, the 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 interpretation of of God's speech, if you are removing that free will, then you are removing. You're removing the the conduit between the person and God and their relationship. Yes, you've replaced yes. yourself as that conduit, and that's not exactly. that is not what has ever been suggested or or written in the Bible. It's not a conduit. <laughs> you a church is not meant to be. Your relationship with God is between is supposed to be your relationship with God. It's not supposed to be your relationship with the goddamn fucking church. Yes, it's not. Me, the church, and the church through God. Yes. It's rather me with God, and the church is is, is just a... Yeah. The, the church I think is, I can is meet like-minded people. We can discuss yes. this, this theology, that we, that kind of thing. We can get together yeah. and help communities. We can get together and help disadvantaged, which some churches are fantastic at doing. Yes. But, but that is not what it boils down to if you're going to talk about sin and original sin and all that other stuff. All it is is we're supposed to be here helping organize certain things, but we are not the conduit between you and God. That's you. That's you and God. Yes. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that, that's it. And so it's going to be weird to anybody who has listened to this show and knows how I feel and what I feel about it, which is the reason why when I talk to religious people, unless they're proselytizing to me, I don't belittle them or whatever. Like, look, man, you believe in what you believe. You know, just don't preach that shit to me because then I will tell you that shit is stupid. But but I've clearly made sense of religious, not necessarily religious beliefs, but rather religious expression to a certain, to a certain extent to understand the mindset of people who are who seek religion as as a way of relation with God. But yeah, uh, <laughs> this is to me, this woman could go to the Vatican and argue this point. But um, it's a good thing that I never become a, a priest because then I would have probably never met you. I don't know that I would have met you at a church. <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, you wouldn't have met me at a church. 
So the documentary we're talking about, we've talked about today, is called The Janes. It's very, again, apropos. It's very on point as to what has happened this last week. And if you would like to understand the consequences of what just happened, yeah, you need to watch this documentary. These women are heroes and they need to be celebrated. But they are opening a window into for all of us is about the horror that will take place once all of these states, now that they've become empowered to decide who gets to do what with their bodies, who gets to have an abortion or not. And this horror is real and we, we, we should not become desensitized to it because it, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an added reality to mass shootings and political insurrection and hatred and racism and all of it. Jojo? I, if it's okay, I'd like to, to end my thoughts with a quote, and I, I'm going to read it so I get it right. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, it's from 1867. It's from a British philosopher and political theorist, John Stuart Mill. And his quote is, Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. He is not a good man who, without a protest, allows wrong to be committed in his name and with the means which he helps to supply, because he will not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. And with that, if you need to, you know, back it out, back it up and listen to it again. But with that, we're going to call it a day. If this has sounded as a rant to you, it has been a rant. But we hope that you give it a chance. You, you listen to it. You don't have to be a woman to listen to this episode. Because if you think, again, as Jojo has said from the very beginning, if you think that this is only about women and abortion, you are, are either naive or stupid. And we don't think you are the latter. No. Not at all. No, we don't. No, we do not. And uh, if you think it's going to end with this, then do some reading, folks. Do some reading. Yes. We would like also to invite you to stop by to our page, kickingandstreamingpodcast.com. Take a look. Go through our catalog of, of older of the podcasts that we've done before. Also, find us, find us on social media. You can also find where... It's more convenient for you to listen to the podcast. We are on all kinds of apps that would take a long time to list. So go to our website, kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. You will find Jocelyn on Instagram as... KNS co-host. And I am Mr. Putzetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. As for me and Jojo, we are calling it a day. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. 
So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.